Well, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. It's so great to see you. Thank you so much for being here this morning. If you're, if you're here in Plymouth, obviously welcome. If you're a guest, welcome. But for those of you at our regional campuses, Northridge, Brighton, so glad that you're gathered up there. If you're a guest, I hope you're really connecting with the people there. And Northridge, Gross Eel, thanks for being a part of this place. We also have Northridge, Celine. And uh, we're just thrilled to be one church meeting in four locations on mission to wake the world up to Jesus. And, and I'm thrilled that you could make time to be here for Thanksgiving. I, Roxanne, my wife, and I had a, an interesting Thanksgiving. Uh, we have three adult children, but uh, two of them are married. And this was the year that the families had to be with their in-laws. Jerks. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I didn't. Did I say that out loud? Uh, didn't mean it. Uh, you know, it's about sharing. Uh, uh, kind of deal, but but anyway. So we get, we really had the privilege of focusing on our son Blake and his girlfriend, and uh, just spending Thanksgiving Day with them. And we thought, I could night, it'd be a huge effort to cook a meal and do all that for four people. So we thought, hey, well, this would be neat. Let's ride the train to Chicago and eat at Maggiano's. They serve a family-style Thanksgiving dinner for about the price we could have fixed our meal for, and they serve platter after platter after platter for one price, and we thought, this will be phenomenal, and so that's what we did. But with all of the wonderful things that happened there, uh, there was the sad experience of, in the midst of all this celebration and expressions of Thanksgiving and so much going on, Almost around every corner in downtown Chicago, there was someone who was in absolute desperation and begging. I can't say they were homeless. I don't know about that, but I know that they were desperate for food and for provision, and so they were begging. And, you know, that creates an interesting tension, doesn't it? I mean, when you're kind of... I mean, we took a train to Chicago. And we were there to celebrate with our family, and we were going to have no problem with eating at Maggiano's. And, and around every corner was someone begging just so that they could eat and have the basic needs. Have you ever been in a circumstance like that? I mean, doesn't it create a tension? And, you know, it's like I was battling all these things, like, uh, you know, the best way to respond because of the tension. And... You know, I have those voices in my head. I don't know if you have those voices, but those voices in my head have been told time and time and time again, don't give them money because they'll spend it on all the wrong things. As if we spend our money on all the right things. You know? And that tension's going on. And then there's the tension of, of okay, you know, if I help one, around every corner is another. And I mean, when have I helped enough? And do I have to help everyone? And Because I know this, no matter how much I help one, the next corner I'm feeling just as guilty and just as much tension, and I'm actually wanting to go to explain, I just, I just help the one around the corner. You're not important enough for me to help. You know, it's like there's all these tensions involved, and I know you've experienced it. So the interesting thing about that tension, though, is if you're in a situation that is not so desperate, when you... in Uh, come across the desperation, you experience tension, but when you walk past it, give it a couple of seconds, the tension kind of goes away. And so we went through that, and we're eating at Maggiano's, and uh, one platter after another. It's crazy. You couldn't eat it all. And uh, halfway through the meal, towards the end of the meal, my wife, Roxanne, said, we should have them box up these platters of food And we should take it to someone on the street so that they can have this meal. And I'm going to try and be transparently honest with you this weekend. It was like I had two thoughts erupt in me as soon as she said it. The first one was, why didn't I think of that? Because I didn't. I didn't think. I mean, look, I'd gone by and I'd experienced the tension with each of these people. And then I'm eating this meal and platter of turkey and and stuffing and a platter of, of tilapia sitting there that we didn't even touch, and I didn't think people are hungry. Crazy. I hated her in that moment, you know, for being so much better than me. But then the second thought that 
kind of erupted in my thought, and I, I apologize right up front for being so flawed. I thought, ah, man, that'd be hard. I've done this before. I, you know, you pack up food, and then you, you have to find someone. And then, and I've had people turn it down, and that sucks, you know? And so all this raw junk's going on in me, but I surrendered to the moment because it was the right thing. And so we did, uh, all four of us. We had them pack up uh, all that food, and we started our search, and it didn't take us long. We found this sole individual, this, this man. And uh, honestly, I think the person that we encountered in our whole time in Chicago that was in the most desperate of places. Uh, huddled against a building people satisfied from their meals walking by and he's shivering in the rain and uh, we took him the food and we said you know we just had this beautiful meal at Maggiano's and we didn't hardly touch it and we're wondering if you'd like it and he said oh yes and then he said all day long I've been sitting here and you know basically unnoticed and he goes, and I, I, I don't want your money, but there's a Walgreens right there, and I, I'm, my socks are wet, my feet are numb. I have no underwear, no soap, no toiletries, and all I'd love for you to do is could you buy those things for me and help me out? Got into his life a little bit. He's desperate. And so we were moved by that, and we did. We helped them out. And, and here's the interesting thing. I... I reached down to him and I said, I want you to know, as we gave them the help, that we're only doing this for one reason, and that's because of God's love. And then I said, I said, seriously, I, I would have walked right by you and not noticed you except for the fact that God didn't walk by me and loved me enough to meet my need at my most desperate point, and I want you to know about Jesus in your life, right? Okay, and before you clap, boy, this gets bad. Um, that wasn't a like moment and I meant it I thought it was a good thing to introduce him to the love of Jesus and I thought it was an important thing to you know declare God's love and all that stuff but, but I have to tell you that comment I, uh, the only reason we're doing this is because of God's love has haunted me since I said that because as I've reflected on it, I have to admit my giving to that man is filled with far more complexity than that. Oh, that it was just God's love that motivated me to have to help this guy. If it was really God's love that motivated me, wouldn't I maybe, as I sat enjoying the meal at Maggiano's, have been thinking about buying one for him? Wouldn't it have been something that I couldn't help but to think about and to move forward, but it wasn't at all what it was. Roxanne mentions this thing, and I felt guilty for not thinking of it, went through the needs of the work it was going to be to help a poor person. Seriously. And then when I hand it to him, then I say, I'm only doing this for one reason, and it's because of God's love. And there was a little bit of truth to that. But there was far more complexity to that. And so I've been doing a lot of thinking on this and, and since that moment on Thanksgiving. And, and you see, I, I think it's important that we remind ourselves that giving isn't just a spiritual behavior. Well, when I give, I, I tend to start thinking of myself as being more spiritual. I, I don't know if you're like this or not. Maybe you're not as flawed as I am. But it's like when I give, and that's you know, something that's hard for a lot of us to do. When I give, I start going, my gosh, I really am pretty spiritual. You know, I mean, my, I'm pretty godly. I, this is pretty good. I'm, and I, I start kind of congratulating myself. And I don't want you to think I look in the mirror and go, you are awesome, Mwah, that kind of thing. But it's like, I, I just get this sense of spiritual pride in giving do, do, you, do you? Are you ever confronted by these raw things? 
And then I, I had to realize that giving isn't just a spiritual behavior. In fact, I realized I can give, and I can give a lot, and it not be spiritual at all. And what I really realize is that it's giving is really, as much as, you know, we have religious teachers tell us how bad we are and how selfish we are and how ungenerous we are and all that different stuff, uh, giving is really very natural for us as human beings. It really is. Give, giving is a part of our makeup as human beings. In fact, I, I want you to realize that every single person gives, even the most selfish people on the planet give. But, but of course, there are differences in people's giving, and those differences stem not so much in the quantities and that kind of thing. The differences really stem from the motivation, the reason behind the giving. And because I realized that my motivations were far more mixed and complex than what I said to that man, I'm giving for one reason, God loves you. I started thinking about what my motivations were. And I, I just want to share them with you. I, it's not something I read in a book. It's not something I, you know, got in a blog. I just sat down and started going, what are my motivations in giving in a moment like that? Giving here. And, and I, I, for one of the things I wrote down is one of the motivations that kind of make up our human propensity to give is duty. Duty. You, you know, we, we give because we have a sense that we have an obligation to fulfill, a responsibility, a duty. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? I'll give you an example of this. I'm a, a parent, three adult children. And, you, you know, when they were kids, when they were born, they earned nothing and deserved nothing. And I still fed them and gave them a home and a bed, both Roxanne and I. We gave to these, we've given these kids all their lives. Still giving. Did Blake pay for the train trip to Chicago? <laughs> no. And so it's like, you know, we've given to our kids, but you know, when you have a kid, and I know some people really mess up here, but you have a sense of obligation. Roxanne told me when they were born, you know, we have to feed these kids for the rest of their lives. I said, no, just breastfeed them. It's free, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> but there's this sense of obligation, right? There's this, this sense of obligation. So we give out of duty. And, and you, know, you know what the motivating idea is? I have to. That's not all that spiritual when you think about it. I have to. I, I thought about another motivation that kind of makes giving central to our humanity, and it's, and it's inspiration. Inspiration. I, and maybe not all of us, but I, I bet you almost all of us have, have given in a moment of inspiration. You know, someone has has inspired us to see a different view of the future if, if we give to it, or they, they've painted a dream, and we thought, boy, that dream would be so awesome, and, and you know, we'll invest in that. And so, so giving sometimes is the result of, of inspiration. And you know, the motivating idea here is, I get to. Now, that doesn't last sometimes because inspiration is just a moment, but, but I want you to know inspiration is not all that spiritual. Now, we can be inspired spiritually, but, but inspiration is an emotion, and we can be inspired by good things or bad things, but, I mean, someone sells us this dream, and we give to it, and, uh, you know, all of us have done that probably for good and for bad, right? And in the moment we gave, we, I get to. And so that's not spiritual. Not necessarily. It can be, but it's like... I get to. There, there's another motivation I know that's behind our human propensity to give, and it's, it's the idea of investment. It's an investment. It's like, wow, if I give, 
there could be a return on that, right? And so uh, there's an investment, and so I give for that. And I'll just use the parenting thing again. It works in a lot of different ways, but, you know, one of the poorest and most difficult financial seasons of Roxanne's in my life was when all three of our kids were in college at the same moment. That sucked. Yeah, I mean, really, a lot. This is why we sent them to a lousy school so that we didn't have to pay more than we wanted to. And uh, we wanted them to get a degree and not have debt. And so we really worked hard uh, with them on that. But why? Why Why did we... Why did we... We didn't have to send them to college. We didn't have to do this. Why did we do it? Well, for us, it was like the idea of an investment. If we invest in giving for their college... Maybe they'll move out. <laughs> we won't have to support them. The re- Maybe they'll pay for the train someday, you know? <laughs> right? Isn't it an investment? That's sure that's what it is. And so this area of giving, and this is natural to humanity, this area of giving is where we basically say, I'd be dumb not to. Right? And we've all given an investment in something or someone, and maybe it panned for some and didn't pan for others, but, but the motivation was an investment. And that's not necessarily spiritual. It's not necessarily spiritual to want to get rid of your kids that badly. You know, that's not necessarily spiritual. It could be spiritual because Jesus talked a lot about giving as an investment against eternity. I mean, if we give in this life, in this world, you know, eternity could be a place where treasures gather if they're given for the right reason. But it's not necessarily spiritual, right? It's a a return on my investment. It's for me. Another reason I found that kind of motivates giving very naturally as a part of our basic humanity is, is need. Need. I really dealt with this in Chicago. That guy needs. And I, I was, now listen, I was uncomfortable with how needy he was when I was there to eat at Maggiano's. That's not spiritual. That's personal. That's, can be guilt, it can be shame, it can be trying to appease your conscience, Right? And so, these things, they motivate us. And when it comes to need, you know, we basically say, you know, the motivating idea here is, you know, I should. This, This isn't spiritual. It's just simple empathy. I feel for this person. I, I want to help this person. Or whatever. And, and I have to tell you, there... They're all very human and natural motivations for giving, and I think all of us to varying degrees have, have participated in generosity as a result of those things. And, and I want to say this right up front. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. There's nothing wrong with, you know, being inspired. There's nothing wrong with making an investment. There's nothing wrong with fulfilling a duty, an obligation. There's, there's nothing wrong with having empathy for a need and meeting the need. But it's not necessarily spiritual. And if I'm really, really honest, what I said to that guy, there's only one reason that I'm giving, and it's for God's love, that's really pretty far from the truth. Even though I wanted him to know God's love, the truth is I, I, I kind of felt obligated to that guy once I talked to him. And I, I, I kind of was inspired by my wife's thoughtfulness you know, maybe we could take this out and give that thing. And I, I kind of did see it as an investment, in, not just in that guy, but f- to my family. Can you imagine me saying, nah? Like, <laughs> would have come back? My dad doesn't care about poor people. You know, that wouldn't be good. And, and I really did have a sense of his need when I talked to him. And so all that was there. But I told him, I'm only giving this for one reason, and that's because of God's love. And I think 
we really convince ourselves when we're giving it's spiritual. But I want you to know, not always. In fact, not naturally. And our goal as Christ followers, and if you're here and you're not yet a Christ follower, uh, we're just, at Northridge, we like to admit our flaws and our frailties and all that different stuff. And I, I want you to know, none of us are where we need to be, but our goal in following Christ is not to just be better humans, responding to more needs and responding to more inspiration, responding to more investment, that kind of thing. Our, our goal is to become more like God, to become more like Jesus, right? That's not natural, that's spiritual. And, and there is one motivation, as I really analyzed it, for giving that moves us from the natural and the human to the spiritual and to the godly. And that one motivation is the one that I spoke to that guy, the one that I elevated my giving to, which wasn't all that true, love. Love is where giving becomes a simple expression of identity. Uh, when we give out of the motivation of love, it's an expression of, of something we are, loving. And the motivating idea when we give for love, when it's genuine and it's honest, the motivating idea is, now get this, I can't help myself. It's who I am. I, I, I am so filled with love, I'm so moved with love that, that I can't help myself. I know they might misuse the money. I know this way. I, I know that they might drive a BMW and they just dress this way to get my, you know, all the different thoughts we have. And, and, and I, but I, I can't help myself. It's who I am. And I want you to know that's the kind of giving that's godly. John 3.16, one of the most famous verses out of the Bible, says, For God so, what? The world, that he gave his son, who never sinned, to die for sin, so that when he raised again, we could come to life with sin removed and have new life. I mean, God was motivated by love. You know, can I just tell you something? God wasn't inspired by us to send his son. Yeah, wow, those, those people down there are so awesome. I think I'm going to give them my son. We were inspiring. And by the way, sometimes we really think we're inspiring God. I do. I, have you ever, and maybe you haven't, but I, I have prayed before, and it's been pretty good. Like, it's like poetic and thoughtful and profound and expressive and really good praying. And you know what I find myself thinking? There's no way God can't answer that. That had to inspire the heck out of him, you know? If he's going to pray like Shakespeare, I'm going to answer like God. You know what I mean? It's, it's, don't you sometimes think that's how it works? We think, I'm going to go to church and God's going to give me stuff. He'll be inspired. No, he won't. Wait, you know, God, God doesn't give because he's fulfilling a duty to us. You know, his duty is really to give justice, not grace, and, and not forgiveness. He, he's not doing it as an investment. Look at I know me, and if he was going to invest in someone, he could have done better. It's not just need, though all that's mixed in. It's, in, you know why God gave his son? Because love, it's who he is, and here's the reality. Now, he couldn't help himself. He couldn't help himself. I, I just love him. I, I often think, why, why didn't he just wipe us all out and start over? Don't, don't you look at what's going on in the world today and just say, serious business, God. Just wipe us out and start over. But he can't help himself. That's true generosity. I want you to realize that the first four motivations are, are natural. You don't need God. 
to give to inspiration, to give us an investment, to give us need, to give for due. You don't need God at all. And all humans give that way to one extent or another. Every single one of us, even those who are very selfish. But love, genuine, unconditional, unselfish love, is not natural for human beings. We don't by nature give for the motivation of love alone with no sense that we're paying off a debt, with no sense that we're buying a dream, with no sense that we're investing in a return, with no sense that we're going to feel good about helping a person with a need. And I knew when I was writing this that some of you go, I give for love, I give to my kids for love, and I give to my spouse for love. And I'm going to say, I, maybe a little bit, but I think you give more out of an obligation, you give more because you're inspired about what their future could be and you care about it as an investment and out of need than love. Do you see how complex this is? And yet we're supposed to go from, from our humanity to uh, becoming more like God, more spiritual. And this kind of pure love generosity this kind of pure generosity is something that we can only develop by experiencing God's love. You know, I could have helped that guy in the streets of Chicago if I had never experienced God's love. Could have still felt a sense of obligation as a human being, could have still been inspired, could have still seen his investment, could have still saw the need. But to give to him out of love demands that I have experienced God's love so profoundly that I just can't help myself to share it. And that wasn't me. I mean, I'm sitting in Magellan, I'm not thinking about him. And until I really talked to the guy, I didn't I really, I'm going, you know, I'm going to give him a meal, I hope he takes it. What's he want from me now? He's asking for crap from Walgreens. Are you kidding me? But the more I got into his story, then I started caring a little bit. But the motivations to give initially weren't inspired by love. To, to be generous for love demands that we experience God's love flat out and simple. Look at 1 John 4, 19. This isn't Brad. This is the Bible. We love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. That's what I was trying to say to the guy when I said, I'm only giving for one reason. You know, God loves you. But, but I, I just want to be honest with you. I think we lie to ourselves a lot about this. And I feel a little bit of guilt about it, to be honest. I want to become a person more like Jesus who can't help himself. Now, here's the truth. Genuine love is expressed through generosity. I mean, that's why God gave. That's why God's so generous. Uh, genuine love is expressed through generosity. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, it gives the God example again. For you know the grace, the, the, the unbelievable, profound love of Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, had everything, yet for your sakes he became poor, nothing, so that you through his poverty might become rich. He couldn't help himself. And here's what I want you to see, and this is what I've been wrestling with. We can give without genuinely loving. I mean, we can. This is what duty and inspiration and investment and need is, and this is why it's not all spiritual. I'll be honest, I've been a, a pastor a long time. And, you know, to, to create the resourcing of the things that we want to do to wake the world up to Jesus, do, do you know what it takes? And I know, and I you know what it takes? I have, to, I have to help you to see the responsibility that we have, the obligation we have to pay Jesus forward. So I have to sell the duty of it. I, I, have, to, I have to inspire you with a future like the hospitals in Zambia. Boy, we could build those hospitals, then children won't die there for needless reasons we'd never allow for our kids here. And I inspire you to give to the, the dream, right? And, and to, to, 
to keep the giving going forward here, you know what I have to do? I have to sell you on the investment. This is an investment with return. And you know, here, I'm, I'm just telling you right now, do you know what's demanded to keep giving going in an environment like this? I have to keep reporting back about how the investment is bringing return. This is happening, and this is happening, and look at this story, and look at this life change, and look at this here. And, ooh, I'll give another week. And then uh, the need around the world, the need for people to know Jesus, the need to do that. And none of this is wrong. This is, Jesus even worked in this arena, but this, is, but this is not spiritual. This is human. Do you know what happens when we become more like God than just better humans? Do you know what happens? We don't need to be sold on the obligation. We don't need to be painted a dream. We don't need to be sold on the investment, and we don't have to be pointed out the need. We give because we can't help ourselves, and where we give is to where God's doing His work, and Jesus told us where He was working, I will build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. We give where God is working. Jesus says, I love the church so much, I died for it in Ephesians 5.25, and we have to ring people to give to where God is working, which means that we're very human, we're very wonderfully human, but we're not necessarily becoming more like Jesus. Because that's motivated by love. Do you see it? Am I achieving my goal to make you feel as bad as I feel right now? I'm just kidding. That's not why I'm doing this. I... I, I'm wanting you to see there's so much complexity in this. You know, when, when a pastor like myself talks about giving, people generally feel the same tension that I felt walking by the poor people in Chicago. Oh, my gosh, I've got to deal with this. Oh, my God. And then we do our best to walk around the next corner and forget about it. But what I want you to see is that if we're ever going to be like Jesus... This giving thing needs to become an uncontrollable aspect of who we are. We need to experience God's love so profoundly that we can't help ourselves. Because we can give without genuinely loving, but we can't genuinely love without giving. And aren't aren't you kind of tired of declaring a love that's not proven in how you give? I am. I, I, seriously, I'm just, just really being frank. I felt like such a hypocrite, and I said, I'm giving this for one reason, because of God's love. I, and I want to rectify that in my life. Here's the reality. The, the experience of God's generous love, when we really experience His love in all of its generosity, it leads to generous expressions of love what it leads to. And this is why it's such a huge part of the spiritual journey. And I want to show you an example. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul the Apostle's writing to the church at Corinth, which was a pretty prosperous church, and, and they were pretty selfish. And so he, he gave the example of some churches in a pretty impoverished area and how they were very unselfish. And And look at what he says, verse 1 of chapter 8. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace, the the unbelievable love that that the Macedonian churches have experienced from God. And you, you know that they've experienced generous love because look at their reaction. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Many of us think that only rich people can be generous. That's wrong. And he's saying, so they welled up. Because they experienced God's love so generously, it led to a generous expression of love through giving. I mean that in their extreme poverty, they welled up in rich generosity. Then it says something interesting, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able. Now that I get. They gave as much as they were able. But then it says, and even beyond their ability, they gave. And they did this entirely on their own. They, they weren't, you know, inspired with a dream. They weren't just beat up with a need, you know. They weren't told about the great... Entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing this generous gift that they wanted to give that was about, beyond their ability. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. You, you know what I'm saying? 
They didn't just give money, they gave themselves. They were so moved by God's love that it became their identity and they couldn't help themselves, they just gave themselves. And their financial generosity was a part of it. And I had to ask myself, there are a lot of things about that passage, but I had, how could they do this? How could they give beyond their ability? How could they give beyond their ability? And, and this is the answer. When your generosity is authored by God's love, there are no limits to your generosity because God is the source. And God has no limits. Oh, I can give because God's the provider and I can, you know, he, he's, he's the source. But there are huge limits when we give by our nature, when we're giving to need, when we're giving to inspiration, when we're giving as an investment to obligation. Huge, because you know what that is? That's limited by our abilities. And what this is saying, they were so impacted by God's love that they were no longer only willing to give what they were able. And you know, I, I do this, don't you? Don't you work out your budget and figure out the numbers and how much can I afford and what would be good and where would be a comfortable life and what would be this? And even if you're extravagantly giving, it's like you start figuring that out. But they gave beyond their ability, beyond what made sense. Why? Because it was no longer a choice they were making. It was now something they couldn't help but do. That's crazy. Here's the application that I'm trying to weave into the fabric of my life, and I'll share it with you. If we're genuinely experiencing God's love, I mean, if we truly love Him, like I said to that guy in Chicago, then we will be showing that love by our generosity. We won't be able to help ourselves. And I'm just going to tell you, and this isn't a judgment because I've, I'm, I'm flaying myself. I'm not flaying you. But as a pastor, I'm going to tell you, I've never known many people who gave purely for love. Uh, it's usually, sell me on the obligation, inspire me, show me the investment and its return, show me the need, and not love. But if we're really going to become like Jesus, we have to start getting to the place where we give like God did. Look at 2 Corinthians 8, 7. After talking about the Macedonian churches, Paul looked at the church at Corinth and he says, just as you excel in everything, man, you're talking about how spiritual you are and how you're growing in faith and speech and knowledge. I mean, in complete earnestness and your love for us, you're talking about how you love, 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 love. And look what he says. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. You know what he's saying? He's saying, look it. If you've really experienced God's love as profoundly as you say, you'll be expressing it like the Macedonian churches through generosity. I mean, that's what he's saying. Our giving needs to go beyond the natural to the spiritual. This is why if you're here and you've never met Jesus, you've, you've never experienced his forgiveness and his redeeming power and you're not a follower of Jesus, we're not, look, give to Red Cross, give to, you know, stuff like that, but the church of Jesus Christ doesn't need people who don't know Jesus giving to it. The church of Jesus Christ just needs people who really know Jesus and want to be generous to what he's doing. That's, this isn't for those of you who don't know Jesus. But for those of you who do, we have to go beyond the natural to the spiritual. We need to move from, from giving by duty and inspiration and investment and need to giving by love. In, in fact, and I hope you'll get this sentence because this is the one I'm wrestling with. Giving needs to go from something we do to something we are. Because that's when people see Jesus in us. Of course, our giving will never be perfect. I'm not pressing myself or you for perfection. I mean, I proved in Chicago, you know, our giving will never be perfect. It's always going to include some of these other motivations. Jesus even spoke to some of them, but they're still basically human emotions. But as we grow spiritually, our motivations should be changing 
And our generosity should expand for the right reasons. Love. And here's the truth I want you to know. This isn't the talk I had written for this weekend. I had to have my talk in before the holiday for, you know, video and for all that different stuff and so that I wouldn't have to be writing it while I was celebrating Thanksgiving and stuff. And then I had this experience in Chicago. And God so challenged me with that desperate man in Chicago that I, I, ha- I just had to rewrite the talk. Because I had to share with you how far I still have to grow in generosity. I, I had written a great talk on generosity. It was awesome. It just wouldn't have been personally honest. And I just, look at I have a long way to grow in my generosity. I have a long way to grow. As extravagantly as Roxanne and I seek to give, it's, there's so much mixed up in it. It still tends to be something I do, a choice I make. I think I'll give this much. I think I'll give, instead of something I am, where I can't help myself. And I had to share with you that when it comes to generosity and giving, we need to remember it's not something God wants from us because some of you, you know, every time I would teach or someone would teach on giving, you go, oh my gosh, they're wanting in my wallet again. Giving, it's not something that God wants from you. It's something God wants for you. Because you see, God knows that that when love becomes our identity, when we experience this love so profoundly that it fills us with love, that, that generosity will become something we are instead of something we do, which means we'll start experiencing life to the full. We won't be giving to get. We'll be giving because it's who we are. Do you see the difference? Let me give you the best illustration I can from my experience in Chicago. No one in my family had any problem giving away that huge meal from Maggiano's. We gave away two platters of meat. And the reason not one of us had a problem giving away all that food was because, get it, we were already full. We were full. We like... This is how God-motivated generosity works. When we are so filled with God's love and provision in our lives, we have no problem being generous whatsoever with all that we have. You see, we're supposed to be so filled with God's love that the leftovers of our lives can change other people. Now, we didn't give away a half-eaten quarter pounder. Here, you want my leftovers? I mean, that's not what we were doing. We gave a platter of brand-new food because we were so filled and had so much, we had plenty to left over. Do you know why most of us make choices about giving and we're maneuvering and we're manipulating and we're doing that? It's because we are still so empty within that we are trying to continually get filled. But when we experience God's love in its fullness, His real love, we have no problem going all in to being generous with others. Look at 1 John 4, 16. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. That says it all, doesn't it? So here's the question I've been wrestling with. What does my giving say about my love for God? And I've already told you, when I gave to that guy, it didn't say anything about my love for God. My words did. My actions didn't. Now, when I started getting into the guy's life, then I started caring, and then it changed a little bit. But as I reflected on this, I was doing nothing different than any other human being we give to those things. But I want to so experience God's love that I just can't help myself. And can you imagine what would happen if we became a church like that? 
where we weren't having to be sold on the investment, we weren't having to sold on the inspiration. It's all good to have accountability and all that, but what, can you imagine what would happen if every one of us pleaded to be able to give beyond our ability to what God wanted to do? Oh, my gosh. We might be able to change the world, which is what God's called us to do. So let me ask this question of you. What does your giving say about your love for God? Be honest. That's where we need to grow. Now, the good news is, when you look at us as a church community, we're making an impact. We, we're doing a lot of things we don't have to do and a lot of things that, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and so we look at the church community, we go, wow, you know, what does our giving say about our love for God? Well, it, it seems to indicate that we really do have a community that loves God. And I, I want to just give you a, a video that I received, show you a video I received just a, a couple of weeks ago that kind of says, wow, when other people see what we're doing, they think love of God. Watch. Hi, Northridge Church. I'm Patricia Heaton, and I am here in Zambia. And I have to tell you, I just came from seeing the two amazingly beautiful clinics that you built here. And I want to thank you on behalf of everybody in World Vision and in Zambia. The community is so excited about it. I know you were just here a few weeks ago, and um, I'm so impressed and humbled. And your compassion, your sacrifice, your love for the people of Zambia really shines through those clinics. And you've inspired me to think about ways that I can get my community in Los Angeles to be as wonderful as you are. So thank you so, so much, and keep up the great work. <clears throat> She loves Raymond. <laughs> She's in the middle now, as you know. And I mean, what I loved is she is a believer. And what I love, she said, when I saw what Northridge is doing in Zambia, I wanted to go back and encourage my church to make that. You know what that's saying is? They're seeing some love for God from what we've done. And there's a mixture of our motivations, and many of us gave for different reasons. But I mean, how are we doing as a church? Well, I think it's showing that we love God some. We could be investing in a lot of different ways, and I think that's beautiful. But can I just tell you, and I'm the pastor here, I know, it's like we're not even touching the hem of the garment of what we have the capacity to do in Detroit, in this region, in this nation, around the world. Because, and this isn't a judgment, this is a reality of who I, because we're giving as a function of our humanity, but we need to start growing so that we start giving out of the function of our spirituality where we're motivated by love. Do you see that? And this isn't an attempt to grasp something from you. This is an attempt to share with you how we can leave guilt and leave manipulation and leave all the stuff that weaves itself into the reasons we give and just let God's love so transform us that we can't help ourselves. And you know what happened? All of a sudden, the world would know these people aren't kidding. These people are serious. Jesus really changed their life. I want that Jesus. That's what would happen. And I want to encourage you to know that when you step into generosity, each of us have a next step. As you can see, I've been on this journey a long time, and I, we, Roxanne and I give quantities of finances that are, are I, I can't believe what, what God has enabled us to give. If you had told me this 30 years ago, I would have said, there's no way I'd ever give that much money. No way. But I'm telling you, I have a lot to learn about giving because it's not all motivated by love. And so I have a next step to take in my giving and how I give and my motivations for giving, and so do you. And we've been sharing this for a year since we started All In, um, that we all have a journey to take in generosity. Some of us need to take the first time step of giving to God's work, to God's church, to this place, and, and to the mission we have. And the first time motivated by love, you know. And then second thing is to become an occasional giver. I'm going to tell you, very often, first time and occasional giving, I mean, you give occasionally when the first time didn't kill you, right? And so it's like, 
um, the first time in occasional giving, very often it's like, okay, that, that was inspirational. That's a good investment. That seems like there's a real need they're going to meet. That seems like, you know, I could step into that. And I do attend this church. Maybe I should give. And, and you step into occasional giving. And then there's another step, intentional giving, where you go, you know what, I'm not going to wait to be inspired anymore. I'm not going to wait to be showed the need anymore. I'm going to just start giving intentionally. Every week or every other week or once a month, I'm going to start giving intentionally. When Roxanne and I started giving intentionally uh, a certain percentage of our income, it was because God's love started motivating us to step out. And then we started tithing. That's the next step some of you can take. Very few people here have taken this step, but this is where you get to the minimum standard of 10%, where you go, God gives it all to me, and he, 10%, I'm going to love the giver more than the gift, and, and I'll give the minimum standard. And when Roxanne and I stepped into tithing, we said, God, we love you enough to do this, even though we'd rather not, kind of a deal. And God kept supplying his need. We kept experiencing his love more. And then we started stepping into the next step, extravagant giving. And I want you to know it never stops. We are still being pressed all the time to become more extravagant in our giving because we can't help ourselves. You have a next step. What is it? And what does your giving say about your love for God? And I'm so excited because I know when someone steps into this, their lives change, and they help change other people's lives. Two things that, that are cool. I, when my life starts changing, it, it, it makes life so much better and more full, right? And when I know I'm being used by God to help change other people's lives, it just means it's so fulfilling, and then I have more overflow to share. And this has happened to a lot of you this past year. Last year when we started this all-in thing, and we talked about the capacities that we have to make a difference if we all step in to the next step, do you know how many first-time people gave to Northridge as a result this year? I'm going to show you on the screen. 2,236 individuals or families for the very first time stepped into giving at Northridge as a result. That's huge. It's huge. And that means at whatever amount. That's just, do you know what I know has happened? Because I've heard story after story after story after story. I can't believe what's happening in me, and I can't believe I'm a part of that. Do you know who was impacted by that Patricia video, uh, Patricia Heaton video more than anyone else? The people who've given. Do you know who's impacted more when they see souls are being changed and lives are being changed in this world? The people who've given. To the rest of us, it's just interesting. And it's alive. And then a bunch of you stepped into intentional giving from where you go, it's not inspirational anymore, Brad. Sorry, you know, I'm not waiting for you to give a talk that's a nine. I'm going to actually just keep giving to God. 546 individuals and families stepped into intentional giving this last year. It's awesome. And, and here's why I share it. I share it because a lot of you are sitting there going, I mean, I, you know, why should I do this? Some of you think this is a rich church, rich people support it, the 1% support it, and, you know, the rest of us are carried. I want you to know, if the largest contributor at this church left, you wouldn't notice it on the bottom line. We're not a rich church. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have rich people here. You're just not showing yourself. Okay, now that was a thought, but anyway. Um, we're not. You know what we need? We need a lot of us normal people to take our next step. And you know what would happen when we start giving out of that kind of love? We can't help ourselves. We'd change the world. And I want to encourage you. Take your first step. To become occasional. Become intentional. Become a tither. Become extravagant giver. And don't do it because of need and inspiration. Do it because God's love is so transforming you that you can't help yourself. And, and we... I want to encourage you. Last year, it was so much fun. Um, we showed you, and I'm going to show you in the video, we showed a lot of the ministries that we're doing here that are impacting people's lives and talking about the investment and inspiration and all that stuff. And, and, uh, and then people made their commitments to All In. And what they did was then we had rocks that they could fill out and say All In or I'm All In or write a verse or write a thought on. And, and we've held those. We've been praying about what we'd do with those. And if you're here in Plymouth, you know that we've built a wall, an all-in wall here. And it's got all those rocks and all those sayings in it. It's on the main floor out here near the lobby. And, and, um, and I, it was exciting. And we want to extend that to every single one who steps into all-in this year and moving forward, or if you didn't do it last year. And, 
And so we have a table with rocks um, here at Plymouth on the main floor and at the south entrance, and you can go and you can fill that out. And at our regional campuses, we're so glad you're at Gross Eel and Brighton and Celine is meeting, uh, but not live streaming. And, and I, we just want to encourage you to be a part of it. And so what we want to do is we want to ha- take your rocks that you fill out and make a symbol of all in and have it in your places so that you can remember that you were a part of making a difference in this world. And, but here's what we want to encourage you to do. Take a step, would you? Um, in our brochure that we handed you, there's an explanation of all that we're doing around here, but the card at the bottom, it's a commitment card. Some of you, you know, stepped all in and you've done so well and God's done so much that you're ready to take another step further even though there's another year left on your deal. You can increase it. Some of you are saying, I'm still in. I might not even have started giving it, but I'm still in. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm all in. And you can affirm your gift on this card. And then some of you have never ever stepped in. You're new to Northridge or you weren't in a place to do it last year. And you can say, I want to I get all in. And you just fill it out. And then you can take it to the tables here at Plymouth in the hallway in the main floor in the south entrance at Gross Eel and at Brighton and your lobbies. And you can hand it to those people, ask questions, whatever, and then get one of those rocks. Here, here's what I'm doing. It's not what we want from you. It's what we want for you. This talk hasn't been about telling you you owe us or you owe God. This talk hasn't been about trying to inspire you. Ooh. This talk hasn't been about the investment, though it's a great investment. And this hasn't been about talking about the need. I could have shown pictures of poor people all around the world were helping, and you, <laughs> and that would have lasted 10 minutes. This talks about saying, what does your giving say about your love for God? And I hope that you'll step into that love in a way that will so expand you that, that you won't be able to help yourself. And when that happens, you'll be full, so full, that the leftovers of your life will change other people's lives. And then we will be the church of Jesus Christ. And what we want to do is we want to end with worship. Um, I decided you may be going, end with worship? It's late. Yeah, I just decided I could talk as long as I wanted. Uh, and that's kind of what I did. And um, then, and I also, I, I, I know you. I, this might not be true at Gross Eel in Brighton, but it's true in Plymouth. If you want to leave, you just get up and leave. You know, I mean, you've been watching them do it all morning long. And, uh, but, but we want to end in worship. Because we believe that as we wrestle with heart issues like this, it's very, very important to contemplate God and worship God and allow Him to be the last things we think about. And, and so I'm going to encourage the team to come out as we pray right now. Father in heaven, I thank you for each one who's here, and I pray that we would all wrestle in a positive way with our experience of your love and what that means in our expression of generosity. And I just ask God, that you'd help us all to take our next step to being all in so that we can all experience your love in such a profound way that we share it without reservation with others. And we'll thank you for how it changes us and changes our world. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, stand with us in worship. I really love this song. It's such a wonderful affirmation of God's love for us. Just think about the word. Oh, I've heard a thousand stories of what you think your life can I've heard the tender whisper of love dead of night and you tell
Bridge, bridge, sing it with me. Sing it. Say you're perfect in all of your ways. Come on, let them hear you. Sing it. Perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. All right, no music. Let's hear you sing it. Sing it out. You are perfect in all of your ways. You sound so beautiful when you worship. Perfect in all of your ways. Yes, you are, Lord. Perfect in all of your ways to opportunity to get a closer connection, a more personal touch. So if you feel um, that you need to speak with someone, you want someone to pray over you, you are more than welcome. We invite you to come down to the front. Our prayer teams um, will be down here after service to pray with you. So thank you for worshiping with us and have a great week, everyone. God bless you. You are perfect in all.